Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Earth Minded. Listen for environmental stories and issues that you should know about. This is Ali Wodar, and today I'm talking to Sierra Dawson. We're discussing ecology, education, and lots more. If you are listening to this podcast, I'm guessing you're at least somewhat interested in environmental science or ecology. Maybe you're already an expert, or maybe you're brand new to this topic. Either way, we all learn about it somewhere, whether that's at a university or more informally. And today, that's what we're talking about. Sierra Dawson is a student at Oregon State University, about to get her Bachelor's of Science in Environmental Science with a specialization in ecology. And as an almost ecologist, she has a lot to share about her experience and her journey. If you're on a similar journey or just want to learn more about ecology, hopefully this episode can help you out. Also, Sierra hosts a podcast called Speak Environment, which I'm a huge fan of, and she interviewed me for her podcast, which is kind of exciting. I feel like I'm always the one doing the interviewing, so to be interviewed myself is kind of exciting. Anyway, go check out the Speak Environment podcast to listen to that interview. And without further ado, let's meet Sierra. Well, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here today. Would you want to give me like a quick introduction for yourself? Yeah. Okay. So, hi, my name is Sierra Dawson. I am a student at Oregon State University studying environmental science with a specialization of applied ecology. Um, I started college in 2018 and now getting ready to graduate in the spring, which is super weird. I feel like time has flown, especially with like a year, not off, but um, a year remotely due to the pandemic. So it's been quite a college experience so far. Doing school at home is so weird. I remember, so I just got my bachelor's in sustainability studies Mm -hmm. and I actually graduated a year early because I had like too many credits, long story short, Uh, which is a good problem to have. But Mm -hmm. I remember when COVID started, I was like, oh, I'm glad that this isn't my last year. And then then it did end up being my last year. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's been challenging. Yeah. It's weird. Anyway, so I'm a big fan of your podcast. For everyone listening that doesn't know, Sierra um, does the Speak Environment podcast. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, And so my first question is, what made you want to start a podcast? The way the Speak Environment podcast came to fruition, um, I have this thing where every year around like New Year's, I have this tradition of asking myself, like, what is a new hobby or something new that I can get into for the year coming up? And I don't know why I started doing that, but that started in 2015, which like led me to like making a book reviewing blog that like I've been running ever since. So I have that going on. So I started that in 2015 and 
around that time in 2019, so like November, I started to ask myself, okay, what is a new thing that I can get into for 2020? Um, and it kind of hit me, you know, like one, like I listen to a lot of podcasts. I thoroughly enjoy pod- listening to podcasts. I already have experience with like video editing um, because I make YouTube videos and stuff as well. So I'm like, okay, maybe audio editing isn't, it has to be similar in some kind of way, right? Um, and then I was also like starting to think about what my degree would mean after um, my higher ed was over. And I was like, well, what, how can I make what I've learned into something tangible, something that I can share, something to demonstrate like the knowledge that I've gained through my like college experience. And so I was like, well, maybe I should make a podcast that is related to the environment because it'll you know, naturally give me something to talk about as I learn things through my classes. And that's kind of how all of that came to be. <laughs> So you're about to finish your bachelor's degree in ecology. Um, can you tell us what is ecology and what about it is exciting to you? The easiest and simplest way to describe ecology, I like to think of it as like, formally, it's a study of how organisms interact with their environment. But when I think about it and how I explain it, it's about a series of asking a lot of questions like, why does this animal do this thing? And like, how does the species like depend on this species or how does it, um, you know, depend on this resource in the environment to live? So it's just about systems thinking, which I think I have always appreciated. I like knowing how the sum of parts come together to make up a functioning system. So in ecology would be how do you plants, animals, other abiotic and biotic factors come together to make a functioning ecosystem. Um, so it's really just about studying a lot of interactions. And I, I think that's always appealed to me. Um, I think it's, I, it excites me because it scratches that part of my brain that's very curious and likes to ask a lot of questions. That's neat. So it's about like how things are connected to each other, kind of? Yeah, I think my earliest like memory or association with ecology was the traditional idea of like a food web, (laughs) Um, learning about it in like AP environmental science in high school um, and learning that it's actually a lot more complex than, you know, the little triangle food webs that we learn in normal like school. Um, But that got me thinking like, how does this all come together? Like, why is this particular species, you know, keystone or very important to this particular environment and what happens if that species is gone. So it's just about asking a lot of questions. And I feel that I do that a lot in my daily life anyway. So So in ecology, I imagine you learn about all different kinds of ecosystems, you know, the different uh, connections and stuff like that. (laughs) Uh, In your most recent episode, you talk about oak tree forests and the Great Barrier Reef, two very mm-hmm. different ecosystems. Um, so my question is, what is your favorite ecosystem or natural area that you've visited? Yeah, this is kind of, I, this is a kind of a hard question because I feel a little bit conflicted about my answer. I grew up in Long Beach, California, so I am like 20 minutes from the Pacific Ocean. So I feel that most people would be like, oh, so the ocean has to be your favorite kind of like ecosystem. Um, but honestly, I think it's one of those things where it's like, if you're close to it, you don't appreciate it as much as other people that are not close to it. So I actually find that my favorite ecosystem is like forest systems, um, and specifically like Douglas fir systems. 
up here in the Pacific Northwest. I go to school in Oregon, so we're surrounded by Douglas fir ecosystems. And I took a forest ecology class specifically and learned a ton of things about forest structure and composition and like fire regimes and things like that. And I think it's fascinating. And also I find myself usually when I go like hiking with environmental science club here on campus, we go hiking through a lot of forests around um, campus. And I find myself very awestruck, very just like quiet and pensive and just really appreciative of just I don't know, forestry, it's kind of hard to explain, but I think that's my favorite ecosystem. That's cool. That kind of reminds me of me. I live in Florida. Before that, I grew up in Illinois, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, everywhere I've lived has been like very flat. And I remember one summer I got like a camp counselor job in Colorado, which was Mm -hmm. super fun. And it was just like, just looking, I, I remember I would tell people like I was in the parking lot of a grocery store. And I was just like, wow, it's so beautiful. Because <laughs> I wasn't used to seeing like mountains and stuff like that. And um, I think like mountains are like my favorite kind of ecosystem or place to visit, I guess. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Doing the annual drive from Southern California back up here to Oregon, um, you know, when summer ends and the semester begins. I absolutely love driving through the uh, mountain passes, the Cascades, um, to get back up here. And I just am always just breath, just like my breath leaves me when I'm driving through the passes because of all of the like trees and um, especially in the fall because all of the trees turn like orange and yellow and like red and it's just so beautiful up here um, and I got made fun of a lot or like teased with my friends that I made up here um, early on because they're like oh you've never seen trees before you're from Southern <laughs> California <laughs> um, but yeah super super beautiful so today's episode is called ask an almost ecologist because you're about to graduate become a real ecologist um, <laughs> congratulations by the way <laughs> thank you so what has been your favorite moment throughout your college experience so far this is, this is like a long-winded story. I'm going to try to like narrow it down. Um, but when I was thinking about this question, I think my favorite experience hands down has been this program um, that my school offers called Alterna- Alternative Spring Break. Um, Alternative Break is this service learning trip that happens over the week of spring break here. And my school runs three different alternative break trips. There's one that goes to... Um, San Francisco, California, that deals with like housing, um, insecurity, food insecurity, things like that. There's one that goes to Yakima, Washington, that um, has a full focus on indigenous tribes there. And then there's one that goes to Ashland, Oregon, so Southern Oregon, that deals with environmental justice, environmental restoration, and things like that. And I think it was my sophomore year. I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for spring break. I was pretty much just planning to go home back to Southern California. But then I stumbled upon the flyer that uh, Alternative Break was running for the year. And I was like, and I was scanning the flyer and I saw the Ashland trip about environmental justice. And I was like, that sounds super cool. I actually ended up applying to the program late. Like the priority deadline had already passed. So I was like, okay, I'm not going to get it. I'm probably just going to go home. So I already had my ticket to go home booked. 
Um, but I actually got into the program and I was able to do that spring break service learning trip to Ashland, Oregon. And we worked with a lot of different partners there. Um, we were learning about some invasive species, invasive species removal, habitat restoration um, on like Willowit Ranch, which is where we stayed. Um, and it was just a really eye-opening experience. It was about learning about how to enter communities with respect, how to be in partnership with communities and not doing the whole, the charity versus change mindset, basically not doing to a community, but doing with a community. And it was just eye-opening in a lot of different ways. And it was so eye-opening that I wanted to go back the next year um, and lead the trip. So I was supposed to, I got a job to lead the trip in 2020. We got all the way up to the week of send-off and then the pandemic happened. Oh, that is so, so sad. So I was not able to lead the trip lot, or two years ago now, unfortunately. However, I'm very excited though because for my job, I'm still in this role. I am planning the 2022 program that should hopefully happen this March. So that's awesome. I'm very excited. That sounds like such an awesome experience. I feel like you just learn a ton because you can only learn so much like in a classroom, like you can learn a ton, but like actually going out and like working with communities and like doing work like that, that sounds really neat. Yeah, it has been. Um, and it led me to my current student job that I have found so much value in. I have learned, you know, practical skills like public speaking, giving presentations. I I am very more front facing um, and and more comfortable with giving presentations now through being in this role for the last couple of years, but it has really um, brought in my social awareness of I, issues happening in the world around me and just being more like competent to those things. And um, yeah, just the value of community engagement. My office is called Community Engagement and Leadership. So <laughs> I feel like I have learned all of those things through that alternative break experience. I also wanted to ask, now that you're about to graduate, how are you feeling about the future? This is um, a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm like scared, excited, all of the above. Um, it's nerve wracking because I feel like a lot of my um, identity has been being a student for the last four years. And so I'm not planning at this point to do graduate school right after my undergrad. I am going to take a, some time off. Um, so it's a little bit nerve wracking to be missing that structure soon. Um, but I'm also very excited for the opportunity to explore other ways of doing life that isn't just revolved around academia. Um, and I am very grateful for the knowledge and awareness that I've gained through higher ed. So it's a mix of emotions. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I remember when I was, um, what's it called, about to graduate, I was like not really sure what I was going to do. Um, it, was very, it was very weird for me, but I ended up starting this podcast uh, because of it. So that worked out. <laughs> Do you have any advice for people that are looking to learn about ecology, whether that's through a university or more informally? Um, so I would say my interest in ecology, first of all, started in a very accessible way. Like 
the first thing that I can remember is actually learning it on YouTube through the Crash Course series that Hank Green taught. (laughs) Um, I love Crash Course. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That got me through AP uh, environmental science and I got a five on that test. So like 10 out of 10 would recommend that. Good for Uh, you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. So I would say that if you're curious about ecology and want to learn more, first of all, start with seeking out resources that speak to something you're interested in, like a simple Google search. One thing that I have learned throughout my experience in college is that academia um, is absolutely not the only valid way to gain knowledge. And that was another thing that I had gotten out of um, my alternative break experience is the power of popular education, which is just learning from other people um, and engaging in the community around you and sharing knowledge that way. Um, So I absolutely think that the structure of academia typically tends to make students think that if it's not peer reviewed, like it's not, you know, valid. But I would say start with popular education, like online articles, blogs, videos, workshops, things like that, all of that has value. Um, If you are in a community of indigenous leaders, traditional ecological knowledge goes a long way and it's usually very undervalued, wrongfully so. So there are definitely other ways to learn about ecology that are still valid and somewhat underappreciated. So just start where your interest is and just follow sources that way. I like that answer a lot. I I feel like, what's it called? Doing this podcast and just talking to people and like reaching out to people that I know in the community. I feel like I've learned so much. So, you know, community is a great resource. The internet is a great resource. Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's a curious thing that I have learned from my time in higher education is that I think we are so structure bound um, in higher ed and it's very exclusive in some ways. Um, first of all, not everybody goes to college because it is unaffordable, um, unaccessible for a lot of people. Um, and even when you're in an academic setting, yeah, there's just a certain culture that really emphasizes like rigorous systems. And that's not always the only way. Yeah, you don't have to be stressed out to learn necessarily. <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is a question that I think about a lot. Um, So I wanted to get your opinion on it. So there are so many environmental issues going on in the world, like climate change, plastic pollution, and the loss of biodiversity. But at the same time, lots of people are working on solutions to these problems. So now that you've studied ecology and you know more about like what's going on, are you more worried for the environment or are you more optimistic that we're going to be able to change things for the better? This is such a tough question. Um, I think my short answer is both. If you remember how I I just said a couple moments ago that I'm very grateful for the increased awareness that higher education has given me, um, that's kind of a double-edged sword because while I am very grateful to have a broader awareness of social like and environmental issues that are happening in the world, it sometimes feels very, very heavy and burdensome. Um, And I wanted to mention that a good podcast um, that I have worked with in the past, I interviewed Julia Swore with the Being Better podcast, and she has an episode about climate anxiety, which is something that I have struggled with in my, like, going through my courses and specifically my, like, 
what is it called? Climate science class. That was a pretty stressful in a lot of ways, but I think I feel both things. Um, I think I feel hope in the sense that I know that there are so many people and organizations that are doing things to strive for a better world around us. Um, But at the same time, it also feels like I also sometimes feel sad and scared about the current trajectory that we're on Um, and a little bit pessimistic uh, sometimes, which I think is a human experience. I think there's space for both of those emotions, even though they're contradictory it's about holding space for both of those and acknowledging them so yeah (laughs) yeah I feel like another thing is that we don't know for sure exactly what the future is gonna hold so it's kind of hard to be optimistic or pessimistic I think a lot of people are just like (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, Um, for sure yeah um about climate science classes though I took a class, it was like, it had a really long name, like Global Change Ecology and Climate Change or something like that. But I felt like I knew a lot about climate change before. Oh my gosh. I just like looking at like data and like projections of things that could happen in the future. It's just scary. And like, not all of the things are guaranteed to happen, especially if we make like good changes. But then you also have to think about like, what changes need to be made and like, can we get everyone to make those changes and get institutions to make those changes? So it's kind of, I'm always back and forth on it. I feel like. Oh my goodness. The, I forget what class it was for that I really emphasized this, but I took a course that really emphasized the findings of the millennium ecosystem assessment. I think of 2005, there might have been another one since then that document has different um, projections, climate change projections, and how ecosystems will adapt and respond to that. And some of them, I'm like, oh, this is not looking good. So it's definitely a mix of emotions, again, um, which is common about a lot of things in life. Well, I'm going to move on to two more fun questions. <laughs> um, these questions actually were sent in from the listeners. Um, I always love getting questions from the listeners. I think it's really cool. So let's see. The first one is, do you have a favorite ecologist? Um, I think that is an excellent question and also somehow a question that nobody has ever asked me before. So I'm like, who is my favorite ecologist? Honestly, the person that comes to mind is I'm a, okay. I'm going to cheat a little bit with this question because I don't think she's like an ecologist per se. I think she's more of like a geochemist. So there are some overlaps in some ways. I'm going to stretch it a little bit, but some per, a person that I really value in this space is Hope Jarin. Um, she is the author of two books, maybe more, but the two that I have read from her is her memoir called Lab Girl. And she also has this book that came out, I think, just two years ago, maybe a year ago. It's called The Story of More, um, How We Got to Climate Change and Where to Go from Here. Lab Girl was her memoir about her childhood growing up as a female scientist and the academic and life journey that she's gone through to get to where she is now. I think that novel really added a humanistic element to academia and higher education, which is something that I feel I usually need more of. I find that I really appreciate stories like that. Um, And then the story of more kind of does exactly what the title says. It really, she does an excellent job of 
going through the history of how climate change, the earliest warnings of climate change, and all the way up to the current moment and where we're at now, and also at the end of the book, giving some very practical steps about how do we fix this. So she's not an ecologist, so to say, but she's a very prominent female scientist, and I thoroughly appreciate her books and her work. That's awesome. I am adding that to my reading list. <laughs> yes, I've read both, and I um, I run a book blog that is totally not related to like environmental things, but I have definitely reviewed the Lab Girl book on my blog, so like 10 out of 10, love that. That's awesome. Um, okay, so the next question, from, well, this isn't really a question, but it's from the <laughs> listeners. Um, it is, give me a weird ecology fact. <laughs> Yeah, so okay, luckily for you person that asked this question, um, ecology is filled with a lot of weird facts, a lot of weird things that you wouldn't expect. Um, So going back on my coursework, I took a class called Island, no, it's called Biogeography. And that's a fancy way of just saying the studies, the study of like species and their distribution around the globe. So basically just studying species distribution. Um, and so one of the weird things in that class that we talked about is there is a subset of biogeography called island biogeography and how species have these weird and wacky things that happen on islands. And there's this one um, study hypothesis, I don't know what to call it, but there is this trend that on islands there are small animals tend to get really big and big animals tend to get really small, evolutionarily speaking, so over long periods of time, right? Um, and it was just weird because I was like, how does that work and why, right? So the whole logic ecology behind it is that like small species tend to require less energy because they're smaller. So it's less energy to like heat their body and things like that. And also because they're smaller, they're likely more mobile and able to take up more space, have a bigger habitat, right? So it was evolutionarily advantageous for bigger species to get smaller. And also one thing that added a human element to that was that um, if you think about it, when humans colonize islands, what are the first things that we normally, you know, take out? We usually hunt the big animals, So bigger animals just tended to get smaller because the bigger animals were hunted to extinction first. Um, So it was more evolutionary and advantageous to become smaller. So I think that was, I think that was a weird thing. Um, It's like called the giganticism, dwarfism spectrum, something like that, if you want to Google it. Um, So yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm kind of sad that was the last question. <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. This has been great. I enjoyed this a lot. Okay, actually, I have one question. I always forget to write this down. How can people listen to your podcast, find out more about you, stuff like that? Oh my gosh, yeah. So um, my show is called Speak Environment. You are able to listen to it anywhere you really get your podcasts. Um, So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, a couple other places. My handle on Instagram is at Speak Environment Podcast, and that'll have all of my links in the bio as well. Um, And yeah. If you'd like to be updated when a new Earth-Minded episode is out, make sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting app you use. 
or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at EarthMinded with an extra D at the end. If you'd like to support EarthMinded and help make episodes faster and higher quality, there's a link in the show notes to donate. Thank you so much to Sierra Dawson for sharing her knowledge, being on the show, and also having me on her show. And of course, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed, I hope you learned something, and I'll catch you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.